Welcome back to Words from the Woods, a Trails Rock podcast. Today is International Women's Day, and I'm pretty stoked to be putting my listening ears back on as Sheila is joined by Jill Chodak to continue our series of Women's History Month episodes. I might chime in a bit today, unlike last week, but only because Jill and I grew up and graduated from high school together, and we haven't seen each other in a bit. More importantly than our high school escapades, though, Jill works with the University of Rochester as a clinical dietitian at the Center for Community Health and Prevention. She has a bachelor's degree in nutrition management from the Rochester Institute of Technology, and she earned her master's degree in clinical nutrition from the University at Buffalo. Jill holds certifications as a registered dietitian and a certified dietitian nutritionist. We might have a few moments to flash back to the past, but mostly we'll be talking about nutrition, how women and men have different needs in this category. What about running longer events versus shorter events, high intensity training versus low intensity training, and how you can eat to fulfill those needs. We'll hopefully touch on some local resources that you can benefit from, uh, what to avoid, and certainly we're going to try to dig in a little bit on that social media nutrition influencers that are all over your Instagram feed. Last week was National Disordered Eating Week, and we will touch on that topic for a little bit as well. Another week and another opportunity for us to learn. The music bringing us in today is titled Cotton Candy Flavor. So let's turn this thing over to Sheila and Jill and see how long I can stay quiet for. Okay, we're back. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I am super excited to be joined today by Jill Chodak. So, Jill, say hi. Hi. <laughs> um, so, Jill, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and why we invited you up today? Yeah, so I'm a registered dietitian with the U of R. So it's called the Center for Community Health and Prevention. It's an outpatient facility within URMC. We're actually across from the School of the Arts on Prince Street. So it's a pretty cool location. Do a lot of remote work. Um, And I actually know Eric, your husband. We grew up together um, in Buffalo and full circle. Class of 1999. Oh, yeah. Yep. And we're also big Bills fans. Yes, obviously. Clearly, everybody at this table. (laughs) And if you're not and you're listening, get on the bandwagon. (laughs) It'll be our year next year. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and that's a phrase. It's worse the woods, but go Bills. We come out of the woods to watch the games. We actually do. We we go to the Adirondacks and we'll we'll like backpack in and catch a game at a bar. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, and I do that too. And it's funny because I'm also a woods person and go camping quite a bit and live in the woods and like to burn things and all the things. Yeah. So I also come out of the woods for the Bills games. Just for the Bills. Yeah. 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 Cool. So we probably won't have too many high school escapades because we have a lot of stuff to get to. And just like last week, I'll sort of step to the background here and let, let you guys ladies um, you. talk because it is women's history month and this is going to get published on international women's day which is the eighth it sure is yeah, yeah tomorrow and national rd day there you go is that's tomorrow right national mm-hmm. rd day oh interesting mm-hmm. so that actually is kind of a good segue i guess can you tell us a little bit about the difference between different certifications yes so it's clear as mud so I'm going to do my best, okay, because it's actually evolving as of next year. So I'm a oh, registered dietitian. Yeah. Okay. So this is the most intensive of the certifications. So this will require 
and this was previous, so next year it will change. You are required to get a bachelor's okay. of science in nutrition, and then you would need to go and do an internship. You have to match like a doctor, actually. Okay. And you'd go and do an internship, and you have to do 1,200 plus practice hours at an oh, accredited wow. institution, so I did mine at Strong. Okay. Um, and then you have to pass a federal like board exam, like a lawyer or a doctor. Okay. And then you also have to maintain your credentials every five-year cycle. You have to be okay. do, do like continuing education, you know, okay. so that's the, and that's what the credential on the end of my name is RD, okay. Mr. Dietitian. Some people use RDN, same thing. Okay. Um, I, and then as of next year, it'll be required that you have a master's too. So I already got mine. I, was saying, <laughs> yeah. have I got mine already. Now do they um, grandfather people in? They or? do. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's an interesting point. Because it's like, okay, do you want to play catch up? Do you, right. Is there going to be something that's missing from folks who don't have it? It's definitely something that we're talking about. And we want to just make sure that everybody feels comfortable with where they're at, right? Where you are. Yeah. yeah. And so, but I think the key takeaway is that registered dietitians, we have to go through a lot of schooling, um, a lot of training, and we are, our credentials are maintained. Um, always. And so that's what you're getting when you're coming to see us clinically. Whereas a nutritionist, and this depends state to state what's available, so okay. which is where I say it gets a little murky. A little, yeah. <laughs> um, you can in New York State get credentialed as a certified nutritionist. Okay. I have never met someone who's done this. Really? Right. Um, because it requires a, a bachelor's. Okay. And then you have to take a test, and you also, I believe, have to do an internship, but not as rigorous level. right um and so it would make sense kind of to go on further right and just get the rd right right but you know they're great right, certified right. nutritionists registered yep but slightly different experience okay there are also nutritionists out there who don't have any credentials and they can call themselves nutritionists and they're yeah, out they're there um and so you know i just put that out there because that is happening and is something that I see with my patients. Right. Um, and, and I'm mindful of that for our community. Right. So that's interesting. I was going to save this for a little bit, <laughs> conversation, but since it came up, um, one thing that I have noticed a lot on my social media feeds is that there seems to be a plethora of people who are trying to give nutrition advice. Mm -hmm. um, and so that makes perfect sense what you're saying about all the different certifications or non-certifications. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts about social media, using social media for nutrition advice or information? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> like, many sure thoughts. Have thoughts. It's hard to boil down into it. Um, so listen, like I love to scroll the Instagram all yep. the time. Okay. And I think it's pretty fun and I love the accessibility it has. And like, you can kind of boil it down into, Hey, this is a cool recipe or this is a thing Right, right. where it gets a little bit runaway is like you said, there's a lot of influencers who are pushing a lot of agendas mm -hmm. and it, it, a lot of my patients come to me and say, I'm immobilized because I don't know what to do because everybody's telling me everything and Different I don't know things. what to follow. Right. And so, um, part of what I suggest kind of as you're going through it is 
follow the money, honestly, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Like, so a person like myself, I get a salary from the U of R. I don't make money whether you gain or lose or heal or don't. I'm showing up to my job because I want to help you heal or do whatever it is that you, you're doing. Right, right. Whereas if you're showing up to a person, and there's nothing wrong with making money. I just want to be real clear, okay? <laughs> but like as you're, if there's a person who is an influencer who is touting a miracle cure that you have to buy exclusively from them right. that supposedly like cures diabetes, all of us who are working on, on the front lines in healthcare, right. we'd love a solution like I was that. just going to say, wouldn't that be so nice? Yeah. And so if it's too good to be true, it usually it is. is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so then you can follow the money to where might they be making their money? How? Right, right. Right. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. Um, are there any um, social media influencers or people or any websites, anything that you would recommend as like reliable sources of information? Yes. Um, so, oh, I love this one. <laughs> All the things. Um, so diabetesfoodhub.org is one of my favorites. Okay. It's run by the American Diabetes Association. It sounds super silly, right? Like yeah, I'm just because yeah. I don't I don't have diabetes. I know many people who do, many people in my family have diabetes, right. but it can be used if you have it or if you don't. Right. And why I love it is because it it's very practical in its approach. They okay. hired a genius. So there's basically a lot of access points where you can go in and get a little or go in and dive and right really in. Get deep. Yeah. And if you can create a free login, you can mm -hmm. create a profile. You can compile recipes that you like. It'll oh, make you a cool. meal plan and print you a grocery list all for free. Oh, wow. And it is very user-friendly with like gluten-free or lactose-free or whatever. Okay. I love it very much. Um, I also like fujicate.com, okay. which is, I don't work for them. Okay. <laughs> Follow not, the money. I'm going to say, right, exactly. I do not work for them. But it's a cool um, website where I have a lot of people who are wanting to check. I promote eat more fiber, eat more fiber, eat more fiber. Right. How you going to know how much fiber is in a banana? I right. don't know. Right. You type it into this website and okay. it'll give you, it'll give you info on it. So okay. the big top two that I use. Okay. Awesome. Um, so when, since it's Women's History Month, maybe we can talk a little bit about um, how women need to think differently when they're planning their nutrition, <laughs> especially as a runner or an athlete of any kind. Like what should women be thinking about specifically? Yeah, I think this is um, a good question to ask. It's a tough one to answer. So I'll be yeah, mindful of it, right? Right. right? Okay, yeah. So like... Um, everyone's an individual. So be mm -hmm. mindful of your individual needs, I think is number one, honestly. Right. right? And then getting enough fuel. Often mm -hmm. um, I see women who are restricting for whatever, which way, right? Cause mm -hmm. the culture says that, okay. And you're supposed to have a certain body type. And if right. you're an athlete that can lead to a whole host of problems with lack of energy stores, with, you know, muscle wasting, with bone issues, um, heart issues. I mean, you name it. And right. so getting adequate fuel mm -hmm. regularly would be key number one. Right. Same thing with hydration. Right. And mm -hmm. so those are the top ones that I would say, but then further, right. We menstruate. Right. Most of us. Right. Right. Depending on your age and stuff. And there's a whole category of folks who are not menstruating anymore who are women. Right. And so I'm mindful of that too, which is another nutritional oh, part. Right. 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 Um, but so iron becomes a big pl uh, player in this game. And so making sure that if you're not consuming iron rich sources that mm -hmm. you're getting it from somewhere else is where a dietitian comes in. Um, I'm trying to think protein sources, you know, whether it's plant-based or animal-based, um, what else do I got? Yeah. Hydration, healthy fats. 
Mm-hmm. Um, those are good for stored energy, overall health, decreasing inflammation, right? Because often we're told to shy away from the fats and they're actually super, really super, important. super important. Right. Yeah. And people often forget too, in, in addition to how they serve our eating pattern, like something like avocados or whatever, mm-hmm. they also are essential for absorbing all the fat soluble vitamins. Right. So if you're not getting enough of those in general, you're in an energy kind of deficit, so to speak, and right. then you're not absorbing the stuff that you need to. Right. Yeah. Now, when somebody comes to see you, um, or another RD, do you do blood tests and those kinds of things kind of to monitor how people are doing? <laughs> this is going to be an amazing question. I can't wait for this to come up. The answer <laughs> is no, I can't order them. Okay. Which is a New York state thing, which really I don't love. Right. Okay. Well, cause how will you know if Correct. Right. And so in other states where dietitians are licensed, so we're certified in New York State, okay. we're one of only like seven remaining states that are not licensed. We're certified. Right, right. Right. But we're not licensed. Right. And, which really stinks. And that's yeah. a hold up. Um, so what I do and what many of our dietitians do is we mm-hmm. actually work really collaboratively with the PCPs and the team okay. to say, hey, this is you sent this person to me or this person arrived on my door. These are my concerns or these are my suggestions. Can you please order these labs? Okay. And most PCPs on teams. OBGYNs are happy to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, This was another thing that was going to come up. (laughs) Um, But it's so interesting because one thing that we have talked about sometimes is just that PCPs and and medical doctors don't seem to have a lot of knowledge about nutrition. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because we know that what we put into our bodies affects our bodies like it affects our systems yeah and you know i work with a lot of pcps locally and i would say i know there's a push to educate them i would say yeah baseline sure but honestly i would prefer because they're so overwhelmed and working so hard and so like so entrenched in like the right that i'd rather have them know less or know what they know about nutrition and then know that i'm right here yeah because that we it would take, I mean, I, I have seven years of, of knowledge, right? Well, that's what I was just How long would they have to spend? Right. So I think historically dietitians have not been allowed to play on the medical teams. Right. And I think now it's that's evolved. To change, yeah. Which is a really good thing, I think. I like think it's so. It's a really positive change. Um, just in general, I think like in our medical system, it's interesting to see how different doctors really don't communicate, at least in my experience and from things I've seen with family members. Um, And I think that that makes getting good quality care really difficult. So I'm glad to hear that yeah, the they they really are trying to integrate us. And I and I love that aspect of it because right. we all just want to help each other, right? I mean, much like school. Right. It's like we have to work as a team in order right. to best serve the patient or the community. And right. so And like you can't know everything. Right. Like, there's just no way, no, no matter how much studying and, and research, you just can't oh possibly God. do it all. So right. yeah, no, yeah. agreed. No, that makes sense. Um so when we're talking about women um, planning their nutrition as a runner and athlete, is there something different? And again, I know everybody is yeah, individual, yeah, mm-hmm. but if someone is focused on maybe shorter, faster workouts and races versus a long, slow effort, how would you say those types of athletes should think differently about their nutrition or shouldn't they? You know, honestly, again, it depends on the person, but I would say, you know, with this, like the sprints or the shorter races, you can kind of get away with a little bit more, unless you're trying to build muscle, in which case the game changes slightly where your protein needs you increase. Need yeah. Right, right. Um, and then you have the carb loading that we always talk about, right, for the endurance. So, mm. that, so that could slightly change. But yeah, I would say there's 
and I'm not a sports dietitian, so I know that there are actually like in-depth things that you can do hormonally and all these other things that other dietitians would have more knowledge on. But I would say sprint wise and shorter races, typically you can get away with a little bit more, more leeway on your eating pattern, especially if you have an overall healthy eating pattern and you've built adequate stores. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to my original point too, which is how are we building our healthy foundations overall Mm long-term to fuel our bodies in the way that we want them to perform. Right. Whereas, you know, if you're going to run a longer race, you kind of have to train a little bit for it, condition the body. Right. And same thing with the eating pattern. Right. So depending on. Yeah. 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 And that would be where someone like a sports dietitian would really Mm -hmm. be able to kind of help you nail that down if you're struggling. Yeah. And, and there are sports dietitians locally. Um, and then, there are also some um, some of the folks on my team and some folks who I know, they are dietitians and personal trainers. Okay. So the overlap lap helps. So they wouldn't necessarily be called a sports dietitian, but mm-hmm. they are have that overlap. So they have that knowledge as well. Okay. Yeah. So if someone who's listening to this podcast um, <laughs> yeah. wants help with their nutrition, what questions would they want to ask to make sure that they're getting someone who's like a good fit for them? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so to a dietitian or to a practitioner? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so first I would make sure that the PCP and the team and the OBGYN are looped in with like goals, right? Because okay. there's always like family planning, if you're planning a family or not, right? and all the things that come along with that. And so just making sure if this is a new, new thing for you, Right. That your team is aware, hey, this is what I'm doing. God forbid anything happens. Right. Right. Okay. So that would be number one. And then number two, you would need to do that because if you're looking for a referral, most of the dietitians who work within the healthcare systems would require one or suggest one. Okay. Um, So that would be um, something that I would say. So start there. Yeah. Kind of start there. Or Mm -hmm. Or OBGYN. Or your. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then from there, as far as asking the dietitian, it's helpful for us. We become pretty mechanistic about like our days, what we eat, um, our medical charts and stuff. And so what I love about my job, what I find is helpful is getting to know the story behind the person and the agenda ahead so that you can fine tune little things. So what I mean by that is like, okay, give me, it's not all about the recall, the dietary recall, but mm-hmm. give me an idea of what you're eating in a day and how crazy your day is. Right. And then I can kind of help to say, okay, well, we got to slide in the breakfast. Right. <laughs> like, like we're going to have to slide in some snacks or like whatever. And so I would say asking that question that you asked, mm-hmm. what do I, what, what information do you need as my, my dietitian okay. that I can give you? That would be the best way to approach it. I think. Right. Right. That makes sense. And being an open book and honest about what's going on, right? Do you have a lot of issues with that? (laughs) No, I I have really great patients. Um, And if you couldn't tell, like I'm I'm pretty approachable and I always tell my patients, right, that um, this is a judgment-free zone. I'm not the food police. I'm not. Right. <laughs> Y'all know I eat wings, okay? Like, I'm just saying. Um, and so... Like a good buffalo girl. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I got blue cheese in my veins. Okay, Love but it. like... <laughs> um, but no, I, I, so finding a person who jives yep. and who you can be real with and honest with about mm-hmm. your goals, about your reality, about what you want to do with your body, I think right. is super key. Right, right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. 
Um, I think maybe that's a good place to leave it for right now. We're going to take a little break. And then when we come back, um, I want to talk a little bit about National Eating Disorder Week because that was last mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. So I just want to talk a little bit about that and then talk a little bit more about the industry in general and things that maybe you would like to see. So Sounds we'll be right, right back. All right, we are back and um, we kind of wanted to spend the second part of the show talking about maybe like body image issues and how that relates to your field. Um, last week was National Eating Disorder Week and sometimes I guess I think of athletes and I think yeah. that this is not, it shouldn't be something <clears throat> that affects us, but I think maybe it really affects us more in some ways than like quote-unquote, the non-athletes population. Well, yeah, I mean, because you think about making weight to become faster as a runner, right, right. in college or high school or just kind of um, that drive, that competitive. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I mean, it happens in all aspects of every um, kind of quadrant or, or person who I see, right, is right. like there's this – body image issue, whether you have a positive image or a negative image, or just you're mindful and you're just trying to have like a neutral image. It's always a conversation that we're having. Right. Um, and it's, it takes center stage in what I do for sure. Right. Would you say that you see more women that have body image issues or more men? I think I read recently that that's like starting to shift and men are starting to experience both. It yeah, yeah, both. It's interesting too, because I often wonder if it's our culture, mm -hmm. like like if we're culturally set up in diet culture to be more mindful of smaller bodies, right? Um, you know, we focus a lot on BMI and healthcare industry, and mm -hmm. I've been on the radio before <laughs> talking about how this is not an accurate form of <laughs> measurement of health, and there's right. a lot of research that shows that, right? And so, but I, I was lucky enough to travel to Italy last year. And nowhere was there like a body image issue. Of course, I didn't cross the whole like right country, and this is yeah. a sweeping anecdotal right, <laughs> like, right. assumption. But it was it was like a breath of fresh air because you know you could see women of all sizes, shapes, mm -hmm. walks of life, ages eating freely at the beach, right. wearing bikinis that you would not see here right. um, in America. And it was refreshing. And I hope that for us, because whether you want to wear a bikini or don't, whether you want to eat on the beach yeah. or don't, I hope that you have that option and right. that your body image in your mind you isn't holding you back right. or judge or fear of judgment of from others. Right, right. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, do you what would you say are signs to look for either in yourself or maybe even in a friend that would indicate that there's some disordered eating or something going on that maybe needs to be addressed? Yeah, there's, there's an actual clinic, clinical diagnostic tool. Um, I think Aspen, like how it sounds, mm -hmm. um, has some guidelines. I am not an eating disorder dietitian, so I can't list off the those actual guidelines. But okay. for myself as an outpatient dietitian, I do have warning flags that I look for. Right. Um, it's more of either like, and it's again with athletes, over-exercising, right? Right. Under-eating, over-exercising. Right. Um, over-emphasis on 
certain foods or mm-hmm. food restrictions, mm. um, past history of trauma surrounding food. Okay. We're actually seeing now to folks who are really sick, like who have historically from childhood on who have been really, really sick with digestive issues or whatever, and have had to have food restrictions throughout their life. Okay. They are now presenting with, uh, what's called like uh, AFRID, which is avoidance food restriction. It's I, I don't, okay. But it's, that's there. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, intake disorder. Oh, I got it. <laughs> I got it. I'm like, you were gonna get there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was getting there. Um, but so it because you're used to avoiding food. And if so your whole now you have all this. Yeah. yeah. And so um that's out there. So any type of GI disorder, I'm kind of just poking around in there, just trying to be as supportive as I can to say, right. hey, is this something that's happening to you? Do you have fear about this and can we tend to it? Right. And what kinds of things would you do or would you recommend a patient to do um, on their own to try to address some of those issues? So a good question. It really depends on what the um, primary. Yeah. Like, so we got to have, we got to loop in the the primary care team for sure, because Mm -hmm. again, I never like to make assumptions like about my patients. So it's not something that I would ever diagnose or whatever, but I, you know, I'm, I'm very transparent with my patients. And so if it's something that I suspect or I'm concerned about, I will absolutely bring it up in a delicate fashion and we will talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then the guidance becomes, Hey, okay. You think you can talk with your primary care provider or your OB? GYN or whomever you trust on your health team to right. see where this goes. And then from there, usually in tandem, but honestly, I'm recommending this to everyone is like, do you have a therapist? And if right. not, get one immediately, yeah. right? Like, okay. And so that's always a player in the game. I, I think, you know, mental health care is like essential, especially now for all of us. Right. Um, so that's usually the first couple of steps. And then um, there are a lot of eating disorder clinics um, and support groups and um, places that people can go in our community who um, need a little extra help. So what would some of those local resources be? So um, Healing Connection is one of them. Okay. Um, and then I'm kind of like, I think it's Nita. Oh no, it's redo New York is another one. Okay. Um, and then I know that there is another, no, it's the healing connection. I think it just opened another, I think it's like inpatient clinic or something. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, we work kind of in tandem, right? So if I happen to have a patient who is presenting now with an eating disorder that I am not um, adept at treating, right. then I can, there's handoffs that can be made, right? Okay. Um, so, so I guess I emphasize that point is because if you don't know, or like you're suspecting, or you mm-hmm. suspect someone you know, or whatever, getting in the door somewhere to mm-hmm. have medical eyes and then guidance to where to go is really helpful so that the weight of that like decision or assessment isn't on. Right. People. Especially somebody who doesn't know. I right. mean, you, you all are trained yeah. to do this. Oh, yeah. We lay people are not. Yeah. Um, would you say that those resources that you just gave us, um, are those more like if you definitely think that there's something wrong or those would have to, I, it all goes through the PCP. Okay. So the, those so would like require referral. referrals, I believe. Okay. I, I, Redo, I'm not as familiar, but Healing Connection is usually a referral from the PCP Okay. Um, or someone within the medical. And, and so that would be the route to take. And then Healing Connection, from what I understand, they go through diagnostic criteria okay. because there are so many. Right, right. Right. And so um, 
it's it's it rigorous yeah. the intake process but it's it's thorough right and which is good gets you where you need to go and then they have um like multifaceted support there. Okay. We'll, we'll drop all of these links into <laughs> the, show the show notes so like redo is the rochester eating disorders organization and then there was um healing connection which mm-hmm. is local to rochester and then you mentioned nita and that's um, the National Eating Disorders Organization or something. I think that's what it stands, something like that, association. Um, so I have I have all those websites that I'll drop into the show notes. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm just going to jump in real quick as someone who struggles with this mm-hmm. stuff. I know it's Women's History Month and I'm not a woman, but, um, you know, we as race directors, like I ran competitively through college and I was in incredible shape and um, I am not anymore. And so like I have gained a significant amount of weight over the last few years with surgeries. And sometimes there's like almost a feeling of like fraudulentness, like standing in front of a group of runners, they're about to go out and they've been training all year to run this race. And, and you'll notice if you come to the events, there's all body types, but who's right up front mm-hmm. are the runners that are fit. And that's what I'm standing in front of talking to those are the people that are coming in when we do the picture at the end of the race with the winners right mm-hmm. like and many on the jenny last year it's like me like towering over these three skinny small guys that were in the top mm-hmm. three and it's a it's a thing that in our sport we have to be cautious of because who's going to be on the cover of all the magazines oh, yeah. who's going to be getting all of the podcast requests mm-hmm. and the youtube requests it's going to be the fastest runners and typically those are the most fit and in this way we look at it thin runners and mm-hmm. so um there's room in this sport for everyone Agreed. Um, but that's not what we always see right. so i yeah. think that's or what we worth... hold up as like yeah. the most amazing well and it can be challenging too because a lot of people might see that and think okay now i have to wake up at 6 a.m and do hit workouts yes. right or i have to try and run a marathon mm-hmm. and if you have clinical conditions or just circumstances beyond your control where you can't do that, right. that's okay. And I'm constantly telling people that do what your body allows you to do, do what you want to do, not what you should do, what you want to do, what your body will allow you to do at the moment. Right. Movement matters. And right. arguably about 150 minutes of movement of physical activity per week is all you really need to, mm-hmm. to have long-term health. See, yeah. And so if that's uh, one of my colleagues had suggested this cool thing um, where um, you, if there's a doorway that you walk through mm-hmm. frequently and you're trying to increase like steps or movement or whatever, maybe you do five jumping jacks every time oh, you walk there, like five squats, spot. right? And that counts and that matters. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it goes Eric to the point of, um, you can have health and mm-hmm. be at any weight and really, uh, that's why going back to the labs and stuff, I right. know I don't want to overemphasize them, but that's what... Uh, helps me to prove that point time and again, right? Is like, look at your cholesterol, how it improved. Look at your A1C, how you've, you've turned around diabetes or prediabetes. Right. Look at these things that you've done for yourself that have enhanced your health and longevity that have nothing to do with the scale. With weight or how you look too, because Correct. I think that that's part of, um, at least I know for me personally, like when we first started running, I was running more roads mm-hmm. and a lot of road runners are very, very small, like mm-hmm. teeny. And I was like, I can't ever be a road runner because I'm never going to be small. Like that's just not my body type. Mm-hmm. And when I need to switch to trail running, I was amazed because I feel like trail runners and this is 
again, this is my personal, like, this is what I saw, but I feel like trail runners are um, a little bit more diverse in their body types and tend to maybe be a little bit more muscly, mm-hmm. um, just because of the things that you're doing, I think, when you're trail running. Um, but it was like, like eating at an aid station. Like, <laughs> all the snacks. No, but I think like, I think about even the women's legs, like my legs have always been something I've been self-conscious about because they're very muscular. And I feel like road runners tend to be like teeny tiny. And again, I'm just never going to have teeny tiny legs. Like that's just not going to be a thing. Um, But you see trail runners and they have a little bit more muscle and it was just a refreshing thing to see. Um, And it's something that I've noticed at a lot of races since is just that, there's such a huge diversity of body types and everybody's at the end of the day, everybody's doing the same thing. Like some people might be a little faster, um, but it's incredible what your body can do. Like you're saying, you know, it's not necessarily an indication of how quote unquote healthy you are, what you physically look like. Well, and like, I have always been a runner. I did cross country Mm -hmm. um, growing up. And I've dabbled and the elusive half marathon that I have yet to run. <laughs> I got the flu during training the first time oh, and no. I was pregnant the second time and I had to stop. Like, yeah. so I still have yet to do it. Um, so, you know, and then my body is changing and I, I really had a true like reckoning kind of like you did Eric too, where it's like, okay, what do I want my body to do? Why I don't need to focus on like the outward appearance, which is kind of freeing, right? right? Where you're like, okay, what do I want my body to do? And mm-hmm. how do I make it stronger? And right. once you shift the, shift the focus from like weight and appearance to strength right. and goals, it really changes the game of how you think about it. So it's not like, oh, I have to do this as I want to do this. Right. And it's, it's crazy. Like one of the things that I always say is I feel like the most beautiful when I'm running and I'm like disgusting and <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like, you know, sometimes I see pictures, you know, Eric gets mad at me because he'll take pictures and I'm like, delete it, delete it now. <laughs> and he's like, why? And I'm like, cause I, in my head, I'm like this goddess running down the trail. And then I see a picture and I'm like, oh God, I make faces <laughs> like that. Like, what? <laughs> What, what is I always say me? you are going to want those pictures Someday. when we're older, right? Yeah. We have had a few friends recently that we've lost and they're, some of them were afraid of the of pictures, pictures and there's yeah. not a lot of pictures of them. And I wish there was more. So I don't right. delete the pictures. Yeah, yeah right. Of course. <laughs> no, you're like, yeah, sure. Yeah. sure. So we even like, did a uh, whole documentary. I convinced yeah. her to do a documentary that we, it was just the that. two of us. Oh, oh my God. But so there's a plethora of pictures somewhere video, in Eric's. A whole video of us running 40 miles together. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys seen Limitless too? I, I mean, this is not a plug. <laughs> the Discovery Channel. Have you seen it? No. Okay. It's, um, so Chris Hemsworth does it and he's exploring like health and longevity, but there's okay. this one, the reason why I bring this up, it's relevant. I promise. Yeah. Is there is this older, I think she's 85. Oh wow. Okay. African-American woman mm-hmm. who started bodybuilding at 65. Right. Good for her. And talk about like not caring what people think yeah. and body image and embracing strength. And like, she like won medals. Oh, that's cool. Um, She now trains and people of all different body types right. and it's great. And like, I just remember seeing her on TV and being mm-hmm. like, yeah, like that, yeah. like she's just like living her life right. and like enjoying exercise and whatever right. way that comes and just 
right, right. You know, really living in her body in whatever shape it comes in. And that's fantastic. And you could, she looks like she's 65. Right. <laughs> like, which is incredible. A benefit of yeah, exercise. Yeah. 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 For sure. <laughs> um, so we've been talking a lot about kind of body image and we had already touched a little bit on social media and kind of its impacts um, on the industry. And Eric wanted to bring up a study that he had found. Yeah, it wasn't a study. I called it a study. It was a, it was a survey done of the professional fitness influencers that are on social media. And most of them are selling a product like you talked yep. about, Jill. Like, hey, if you take these amino acids, you'll look like me. And they did an anonymous survey and it was upwards of 50% were using anabolic steroids or some other performance enhancing drug to look the way that they looked, but then they were saying, Hey, all you've got to do is follow my plan for $19.99 a month. You know, I'll sell this plan to you and I'll be your coach and you'll look like me in six months. And it's not true. You would, right. If you took testosterone and Trenoval and Clembuterol, you might look like that person in six months, but not by just eating some salads and doing their workout. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, we want, it to be easy, right? Like right. I can make everybody's life and my job like so easy. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, the calories in calories out thing is always tossed around portion control, moderation, right. it, none of it works. Right. Okay. Like, <laughs> and maybe temporarily. And then, you know, we just passed the new year where it's like new year, new you. Right. And like I was talking about, I, it's not, it's my least favorite time of year. <laughs> I would imagine. Right. It's because, gotta be tough. Yeah. Because of the things that you're talking about is right. like, what, how about if we're just us? Like, what if we weren't trying to be others and right. other looking like others? What if we were just us? And what if we didn't have to like reinvent ourselves every year? What mm-hmm. if it was like the same me, just like better? Right, like right. I just tried to do something more, whether it's like right. run the 5k that I want to run or like, you know, eat breakfast instead of like skipping breakfast. Right. <laughs> okay. Or like well, and better looks different for everyone Right. from wherever you're starting. What Stronger. could you do to make you, yeah, to be healthier? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think, being practical, honest, and um, yeah, just reasonable about your own expectations makes a huge difference. Because, like you said, it's like if if it were just like 1995 away, <laughs> right. right? Some supplement or We'd whatever, <laughs> we would all do it and it would work. And, it would and be, then, right? But it doesn't, right? So, just another caution about social media <laughs> and. Um, buying into kind of like the images that we see on social media too much. Um, We thought we could kind of wrap up a little bit with just what is maybe what's new in the industry. Um, Is there anything that you would love to see? Yeah. I mean, I think apps, social media, all the things are always trending. We've got all the TikToks. Mm -hmm. Um, I, what would I like to see? Oh, so many things. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see dietitians in New York licensed. I was order just going to Okay, I'm just saying. Yeah, that's wild that you uh-huh. can't. Um, and that's wild that in New York State. I Because I feel like New York is usually kind of like. I know. Regressive more, in that realm. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, so I'd love to see that just so that we can help teams a little bit more. Right. But I'd also just like to see the shift of like, okay, we've all like just survived uh, or are surviving a pandemic, right? Right. Um, and there's a lot to consider about, we, we just did that. Mm-hmm. It impacts our lives right. on all aspects, all fronts. Mm-hmm. And so 
can we talk about that (laughs) and how it affects our health and how it affects our eating and our energy and our motivation and what we want to do about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so healthy in 2018 might've looked really different than healthy in 2023. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. It's just like, what does that look like now? (laughs) Isn't that wild how things have changed so much just from a couple of years yeah. And I mean, and, and I'm constantly kind of saying that to my patients too, is like, okay, like, I know this is what you want to do. What are you capable of doing today? Right. Right. Like, okay, I know you want to, you know, cook this really nice dinner and whatever, but it involves multi-steps, right? Getting the food, getting the recipe and whatever. Right. And meanwhile, you got kids chirping, you know, I'm starving and you're going to like 16 different practices <laughs> or like, right. you got extra work, you're working the second job, you know? Right. And so like, what's realistic? What, what can we do now? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's- and ultimately I had to have that reckoning with myself too, with training, with running is like okay I was I found myself constantly trying to get that elusive like half marathon because I never got it and right. so I was training so hard that like I I was hurting myself because right. I that was what I was going to have and I'm like okay but for real like how about let's like run a 5k first okay <laughs> like let's like <laughs> it, what can I do now yeah <laughs> not that right no and that makes perfect sense um are there any other resources or um anything else that you want to talk about or mention? Um, I think, so it's National Nutrition Month also. And Mm -hmm. so uh, there's a ton of information on eatright.org, which is the governing body for my credential and like all the dietitians in the country. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really like, it has a lot of great resources. So I love using that for just a springboard. And then for folks who are really wanting to pursue this career, Mm-hmm. Um, that's where all the resources are of okay. the accredited universities and all the better internships, right? Okay. Okay. So there's that. Um, I will say heart.org. So the American Heart Association has a great webpage too. It is not user-friendly. Okay. I'm just going to say it. Sorry. Heart.org. <laughs> but you have to kind of dig for stuff that you want, right. but it's worth it. The goodies in there are so wonderful. I think you have to go under like health and then you have to go under nutrition and then you have to go under... It's okay. there though. And, and honestly... Heart health is like key, right? To right. athletes and right. moving forward. And so whether you're dealing with hypertension or um, hyperlipidemia or whatever, it's all there. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Um, so we're going to shift now and just spend a couple of minutes doing a fun conversation um, <laughs> about Buffalo. So we're bringing it back. I know. Bringing we, it back. We are, yeah. So um, there is some disagreement at this table currently <laughs> regarding something very important and near and dear to every Buffalonian's hearts, mm-hmm. uh, pizza and the best pizza that you can get in yeah. Buffalo. Which is clearly Nino's. Pasquale. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and the interesting thing about this is I feel like when I talk to people that are newer to Buffalo now, they wouldn't no. say there's new places. I know. Um, I know. Those are like, we're like the old people now. Yeah, we are totally the old people. I want oh. that cup of pepperoni with yes, all the grease in it. Yeah. I need it. Um, you know what I love about Nino's more than Pasquale's <laughs> is their, their blue cheese matches their pizza it's perfect. so good so if you're a blue it's cheese true. dipper it is true the combination is what gets me at Nino's. also i grew up on the corner i mean and yeah. like on halloween if you went there as a child with your costume on you got a free slice of pizza are you serious yeah so we would that? trick or treat and then we would go get pizza 
Oh my you god, that's, which we, is really cool. And then as we became teenagers, they started trying to ask us to pay, which was like, what? Like, I've been getting this free for 12 years. <laughs> so I don't think they do that anymore, but it was so awesome. I like their hot sauce. sauce too. I will admit yeah. that I liked the hot sauce that I often got there. I am a hot sauce lover. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, we ran together a few times all the way back in the 90s. Oh, yeah. We, <laughs> it's you know, time to bring that we, back. We've got some events that are accessible, family-friendly, if if mm-hmm. Adam and Isaac want to join. <laughs> yeah. The Webster Trail Classic has a 10-mile or a three-and-a-half-mile three and or a kids' fun run one mile. Mm-hmm. So there's something for everybody at that race. So if you if you wanted that's to, cool. and that's not all the way until September, so you'd have plenty of time. Plenty of time. Good plan. Mm-hmm. Or Adam's stomping grounds down at... Um, um, Powder Mills Park. He, he's run there before. I know that is um, we call it WTF. Oh yes, it's not winter trail fest. <laughs> so, so we have some cool stuff. Um, but since we've all agreed that Nino's is the best <gasps> place to get their pizza buffalo, um, I think we can probably wrap, wrap up. There. It up. Yeah. So um, I have a few things to talk about before we close out. So last runner standing is this weekend. It's probably the most unique event in rochester's running calendar so that's happening this weekend registration closes on thursday we don't do day of registration so if you want to get in that race you have to register today or tomorrow um and then if you don't get in and you want to come and see a super exciting race yeah really um, fun it is a ball to spectate so that is happening this weekend um next week dr elizabeth lenz from suny brockport is going to join us and talk about women in sport and a bunch of other things that she teaches with yep. anatomy and physiology and I don't know, all that fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, so we'll be talking about that. And then um, I think that's everything that we've got for now. So we have three more episodes where I take the back seat and, um, and you get to lead the way for Women's History Month. And then I'm taking back over. <laughs> we'll, so we'll fight about it. <laughs> we, have some, we have some really cool stuff in the, in the near future, though. Yes. So those three, I'm really looking forward to like today, I learned so much. There were so many great resources. Yeah, so no, thank, thank you, you for so joining much. us. Yeah, oh, my pleasure. Thank you yeah. for having me. And until next week, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Adios. Bye. Sounds